Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. I'm going to share with you out of uh, Colossians. We're going to be over in Colossians a little bit. i got a couple different uh, uh, verses for you. Uh, I don't have it up on the screen for you today, so if you have your phone, you can pull it out. That doesn't mean you can text, but it means you can pull your phone out and look. Uh, or if you have uh, your Bible with you, you can uh, turn with me there too. We'll be in chapter 2 uh, is where we're going to start. So here we are in Thanksgiving season, uh, really a great time as uh, citizens of the United States. We have that opportunity to celebrate uh, Thanksgiving as some of the early founders did uh, in our nation. They were thankful to God for what they had received after the harvest, after that first harvest. Uh, that dated back to about 1621, not that there weren't others that had been thankful, but uh, the newly arrived pilgrims had uh, gathered together at Plymouth for an autumn harvest celebration. They'd also engaged the Wampanoag Indians of the time, and, and it was kind of marking their first successful uh, autumn harvest. And I know there's other stuff that goes in there too, different perspectives, but uh, the voyage before that, a year before, in 1620, uh, they had um, went over sea from England to, to what we now know as the United States, uh, but was a 3,000-mile uh, trek, well, not trek, floating, right? And uh, they floated over and, uh, and through all the autumn storms. So Thanksgiving to these pilgrims uh, was a big deal. Uh, they were grateful to God for uh, them allowing or making it across the sea. I don't know about you, but have you ever been on a ship? Uh, I'm sure that many of you have. Uh, you know, those aren't necessarily the funnest things to be on. One time years ago when I was 12, I went out. Uh, we went to California, had some distant relatives out there when I was a kid. And, and so uh, we went on this fishing boat. And it was pretty good. Well, uh, I'll get in trouble if this gets back to my mom, and some of you know her. So, But anyhow, I know she said, hey, you need to take this uh, medicine so you don't get seasick out there. And I said, okay. So I took it. And she said, but I, I won't need it. So she was the one that was sick on the fishing trip. <laughs> so, But anyway, I don't know that I could have handled what these guys did, but uh, they made it over here. Uh, for us... Uh, Thanksgiving has taken on many different meanings, yet most of us like to spend it with family and friends and, uh, and show our gratitude to one another and, uh, and eat some real good food, maybe some pies and uh, some good turkey, etc. But since we're people who follow Christ, we should uh, uh, hold a deeper level of thanksgiving in our hearts because uh, it's, we, we are thanking God Himself. And uh, it's, for us, we need to think a little bit about what Thanksgiving is and about gratitude. It seems like for most of us, um, we are familiar with children because if we don't have them or grandchildren, we were children at one point in time. And uh, many times children like to take their caregiving parents for granted. We all know they'll uh, say things, hey, we need something for school. They'll tell their mom, they say, hey, our, we ran out of crayons, we broke them all. 
Uh, or we, we need some Kleenex for school. Would you give me some Kleenex? Uh, then as they get older, they finally say things like, Dad, the check engine light came on in the car again. Would you have that fixed and then so I can go and see my friends this weekend? Uh, sometimes the needs that we have, especially when, our, when we're young, they overshadow our, our, thoughtful, our thoughts of gratefulness. It usually takes a few years until we realize that our relationship with our caregiving parents, it really is much more important than the needs that we have. And so it's easy for us to do the same thing with the Lord in our relationship with God. When we focus more on our needs and our wants, we're, we're more likely just to ask Him for things all the time. And He is open to that. He likes for us to ask uh, he likes that, but also we have to be able to look at the flip side of that and uh, realize that our relationship is more important, and uh, we should also be blessing Him and thanking Him. We need to be able to focus on the Master, and uh, we can expect that God will take care of our needs. He will take care of them as we continue to focus on Him and we show our gratitude Today we're going to look back to into a book or a, the letter uh, that the Apostle Paul wrote to a new church in the ancient city called Colossae. Uh, the church of Colossae was formed through the Apostle Paul's protege. His name was Epaphras. He was the evangelist, if you want to call him, that went to this area and who shared the gospel of Christ to them. And he established the church in that place. It's evident from Paul's letter that the church was facing many challenges in this time uh, from the culture that was around them and also some of the misunderstandings that took place in the church because of their culture. And even though it's not the main theme, several times the Apostle Paul throughout this letter encourages the, the church to be thankful, to be grateful. Today, we have to be able to keep that same type of attitude of thanksgiving or that attitude of gratitude, if you will. So looking here in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, uh, he says this, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental uh, spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. And really, he's hitting some things there uh, that uh, you can do on some study on your own and see uh, of what he's, uh, what he's hammering on a little bit more. But I'll let you go into your commentary on your own there on that part. But the first thing I can see here is there's three things that I want us to consider this morning. First of all, that we should be overflowing with thankfulness. Colossae was a difficult Greek pagan culture of the time, and this, this fledgling church was uh, confused by false, the false religion and mysterious cults that surrounded them. And these early followers of Jesus struggled with all the things they heard and dealt with. But Paul encouraged them to keep living their lives rooted in Jesus Christ, their Savior. So really, their thankfulness stemmed from their faith in Christ and what He had done for them. 
The apostle was concerned for the, the fairly, this fairly new group of believers. It was evident from verse 8 that he was concerned that they wouldn't be sucked into some of their popular philosophy and the other uh, ways of thinking that were vain. And Paul was not easily fooled, though, by his contemporaries. If you look back in the, the New Testament and the Gospels and, you, and, uh, and Acts, you, you find uh, the life of Saul or Paul and uh, how he started out as a Pharisee. He called himself a Pharisee of Pharisees. What that means is he knows the Scripture. He knows the Word of God. So he knew what the Word of God was about. And he was very well trained. And so he wanted, and it, in fact, it took quite a bit for him to turn and follow Jesus. Because for a while, he had been a persecutor of the church. He was throwing Christians in jail. And now with, this, uh, with the resurrected Savior coming and meeting him face to face, he, it flipped his theology on its ear and he, started, he turned his life over to the Lord and allowed the Lord to work in his life that way. So he wasn't an easily swayed person, but now he was anxious for these new believers in Colossae. And we kind of live in a world that is similar to theirs in some ways. Popular philosophy and psychology hold somewhat of a new age way of uh, viewing life in the Western world now. And uh, their hollow views stem from elements of Hinduism and Buddhism and some other things which have uh, and may have sucked many people in. So we must not be pulled in by those things that seem so spiritual and good, yet when in reality they pull us away from Jesus Christ Himself. Many people are willing to call themselves spiritual, but not necessarily followers of Jesus. Christ has called every person to come and follow Him. When we make that choice to follow Him, letting Him lead our lives in faith, transformation begins in us. We may not be totally changed in an instant, although He does that for many people. Many times our lives change as we commit ourselves to Him and He changes how we see the world, which ends up changing our actions and our lives. The Apostle Paul also says over here in Romans chapter 12, verses 1, to two, he's, he makes a, a very strong statement to the Roman Christians. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. In all of this transforming work of Christ in our lives, we can celebrate what He has done in us, what He has done for us, and what He accomplishes through each and every one of us on a daily basis. So really, today, we have a reason to be thankful, don't we? We have many reasons to be grateful to God uh, for, for our situation in life. It doesn't mean that everything is perfect, that not everything uh, goes exactly well, but we know that He is with us. The world may be confused about their secularism, their hu humanism, and all those other isms that come along there, uh, but we have a reason to enjoy the God of creation who is kind enough to sin. His eternal Son, 
who is eternal bridge for us, a bridge for all mankind, so that Jesus gave us the opportunity to pass from spiritual death to spiritual life. We all know what bridges are. I mean, we, we drive on them every day or we walk on them every day. Some are made out of concrete, some are made out of steel, uh, some are made out of a little bit of everything else. And uh, we use those bridges. And I remember growing up, uh, we uh, raised pigs. Here comes the pig story. And uh, so uh, on a regular basis, we would get up early in the morning and we would load a semi-load of pigs. And uh, then uh, we, my dad would take usually my brother and I, and I would get to sit in the middle. You know, I, I was the youngest, so I didn't get to sit on the side usually. Otherwise, we'd have it like a fist fight. Yeah. But anyhow, we didn't do that. And uh, so we're driving along. We go on uh, Highway 36, you know, Highway 36 up north and uh, passes through Hiawatha and all those places. And then it gets over to... Uh, Uh, St. Joe, Missouri, and so we would take a load of these pigs on Highway 36, and we're driving along, and then we would hit the bridge that passes over the Missouri River. That was a great thing until you got on the bridge, because that old bridge was a little rickety. It was concrete and steel and all that, but when we got on that thing with the semi and other people were driving on it too, we could literally feel that man-made bridge swinging back and forth. That makes you feel good for about 10 seconds. And so as we would drive on that, we were glad to get across to the other side. That's just a man-made bridge. You know, man-made bridges are not perfect, are they? Sometimes they collapse. You just hope you're not on there. And uh, so they decided after a while that they should blow that bridge in in the water and put another one up, and that's what they did, thankfully. There was another bridge I went over, a man-made bridge in uh, California, in San Bernardino County. We would uh, drive over it. It was just a big overpass, several stories tall, and we would drive over that, coming off one interstate, going on to another, and, and uh, uh, it's way up in the air, and it's a big curved one. So you'd come up like this, and you'd come back down like this to join into uh, the other highway, and As we did that, you know, that was all fine and good. And until we heard on the radio, they said, well, uh, it's an old one. It's been around a long time. So they said, we found that that bridge was built on a fault line. Oh, joy. Oops. So uh, I've decided that I will only go over that bridge when there are no earthquakes happening. And uh, but anyhow, so that's a man-made bridges. You just never know what's going to happen. But God's bridge is a perfect bridge. Jesus was the sinless Son of God who washed away our sins so we could make it to that other side. He bridged us over into the to a relationship or fellowship with our Heavenly Father so that we could pass from death to life. Now, secondly, we see here that Christ is our source of peace so we can be thankful. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 to 17. We'll look there. Colossians 3, 15, he says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. 
And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now, when you look at that small passage, you see, I see that idea of thankfulness and gratefulness being there at least three times. You see where he says thankful, he uses the word gratitude, and then he uses that phrase giving thanks. We realize that thankfulness is an important part even to the Apostle Paul who has went through many difficulties and many challenges in his life. And he even talked about, hey, I, I've learned how to live with a whole lot, and I've learned how to live with just a little bit. And here he is as a prisoner speaking to this, uh, this group uh, in Colossae. So by the time that Paul writes to the Colossian church, these believers have actually become under siege of, the, of some false teachers and prideful men who were seeking uh, sensationalism and mysticism instead of Jesus. So it seems that those teachers at that time had their some clever ideas, but they were missing the Savior. It appears they just wanted a platform. By that time, we get to chapter 3 and verses 15 to 17, and the Apostle Paul is attempting to help them to keep focus not only on gratitude, but also on peace. Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Then he says to them, you were called to peace. The source of our peace is Christ himself. And the peace he gives makes us grateful. Aren't you thankful for the peace of God? The peace of God is a wonderful thing to us. Now, the theme and the purpose of the book of Colossians is, is fairly important to us because it, it was the reason that Paul wrote to the Colossians. Uh, Paul's overarching theme was there was to explain the supremacy and the sufficiency of this and the centrality of Jesus as Lord, Creator, and that He's superior over every idea, philosophy, religion, or mysticism. In other words, if you want to break it down, he is over trends and traditions and even the Jewish laws that pointed to Christ himself. So I think Paul is saying that no one can gain salvation or fullness without Jesus Christ. So why even try? Jesus is our source of peace, our source of life and thanksgiving. Peace is a great thing. Uh, it's something that we can enjoy on the, at the lower level. Uh, we all like days when it's peaceful, right? You're working your 40 or 50, 60 hours a week, whatever, whatever it is you put in, maybe 20 hours. I don't know, but uh, there's a day. Isn't it nice when you have a day just to relax? Maybe the kids are there doing their own thing or they're out for a little while and, and you're there just with no work, no interruptions. Uh, it's just a day to sit back and chill out for a little while. Those days are really special to most of us when you're, when you're busy, uh, when you're full of work. Uh, it, peace comes at a premium, doesn't it? When you say that you're thankful when you've had a peaceful day. Even so, even more so, many people live their life missing the peace of God in their hearts. Say, they're tormented and bothered by their own spiritual condition. But one day they come to the place of faith where they find peace that only God can give. 
And only God can give that peace. The result of that peace of heart and mind is thankfulness. If you think back to that time when you said yes to the Lord and you, you, uh, you said, you know, God, here I am as I am. Maybe you haven't done that yet. And maybe this is your day where you say, hey, God, here I am. Uh, just as I am broken, messed up, whatever, wherever. Maybe you have everything going, but you know you need the peace of God. And we turned to Him, and that day, when that day came, we can say we were genuinely thankful because of what God has done in our lives. Now we look over in verse 16 and 17, we find that Paul is telling the Colossian believers how they can keep their focus on Christ in a world full of turmoil and deceptive philosophies. It appears that their world was uh, just about as perplexing as ours is at times. Look at verse 16, he says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Here's Paul telling the, the people of God to be proactive. Don't just let any old teacher come in and give their flashy ideas, but let the gospel stand. He, let, he, he tells them to teach and admonish one another. Now, you know, admonish is not a word that we use every day usually. Uh, it's it's unfamiliar, unfamiliar to a lot of people. Sometimes in the church we know what it means, but I don't usually go around and tell people, I am going to admonish you this morning. I just, we just don't use the word. And so let, let's look at it, what it so we know what it means here. Admonish simply means uh, something like to warn, to warn somebody about something destructive or to caution them. In other words, be careful not to lean over that railing or you may fall and get hurt or, or you may uh, break your nose or something like that. So be careful. So it's a, it's a word of caution. So we see here for Paul at at minimum, he gives the church different tools to use when teaching and admonishing or, or cautioning one another. Those tool, tools include things like this. We see here as psalms, uh, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So we know that psalms, we know we have a book of psalms in the Bible, but we know that there are many other songs in Scripture. Even if you read through in the New Testament, you will notice uh, many of our passages are not just letters or just not just a, uh, a book to be written to help us to understand the Lord, but many times there are small songs placed without in the New Testament, aside from that in the Old Testament. So we'll see that those songs teach us something. Some of those are very old, very ancient, and uh, we can learn from them. So we know that uh, music and songs are powerful instruments for each of us. God, uh, good songs provide a solid theological uh, framework for us. In other words, they help us to understand who God really is, and they help us to relate to Him. Songs encourage us when we struggle and help us to celebrate our Creator. Music also helps us to worship the one who cares for us. You, you look and see how uh, Paul says to sing our songs with gratitude. Uh, William Arthur Ward said this, said it this way. He said, feeling gratitude and not expressing it 
is like wrapping a present and not giving it. So feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a present and not giving it. Have you, have you ever uh, wrapped a present up? Maybe it's Christmas time or maybe it's like a birthday. And you go through and you go through all the motion. You wrap up this present. You think this is going to be awesome. This person is going to love this present. So you wrap it up. You have all the nice, shiny, glitzy paper on it. And uh, you, this one's a special gift. So you are hiding it. It's like under the bed or in the closet or in the, in the attic or something like this. And, and you're thinking, oh, this, this loved one, they are going to love this thing. And, you know, you have some others too, and you don't necessarily hide it as well. And so you think, well, if they see that, they see it. But, but if they, we don't want them to see this other one. So comes to Christmas time. Everybody's opening their stuff, open, taking all the ribbons off, whatever, the paper. I don't know, just rip that stuff away. And uh, so then you get through the day and you say, something is missing. Something's missing here. It seems like there, I had something else. And I don't know if you're like me or not, but sometimes I forget things once in a while. Don't say anything, Jody. Uh, so, uh, it, so here it is. You get through the day and you found that you left that gift, that you worked so hard at wrapping, you just left it in the attic, you left it in the closet somewhere, and you totally forgot about it. So feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a present and not giving it. We want to be thankful to the Lord, and we need to be able to express it. We need to actually give Him the gift, right? We also need to give others that gift too as we thank them for something that they've done. And we want to be willing to be uh, thankful. Now back here in verse 17, we see that Paul tells these fairly new believers in Colossae how to live out their faith. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So this tells us something today, that thanksgiving isn't only one day for the followers of Jesus. We got Thanksgiving Day coming up, but that's just one day of many. We should be the type of people that we are thankful thankful to the Lord of every day. Uh, one of the things I enjoyed when I lived as a missionary in West Africa is uh, some, they were not limited to one day. Of course, they don't have the Thanksgiving uh, uh, celebration like we do based in 1621, but, but for them, Thanksgiving was a very common thing, and they would give thanks to God throughout the year on special occasions, different times, but it wasn't limited to one day. And we shouldn't be limited to giving thanks to the Lord in one day either. We will always want to be able to keep an attitude of thanksgiving. So don't just be thankful. Finally, as we're wrapping up this morning, stay thankful. Remain thankful. Don't just be thankful once, but remain thankful. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. It's the last chapter here of Colossians, and we still see this idea of thankfulness that the Apostle Paul is bringing out. And he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. 
Here again in this last chapter, we find Paul reminds the Colossians that he has given his life for the gospel because he's currently in chains. He's, he's in prison. That's why Colossians is one of those what we call a prison epistle. It's in those times where he was, uh, he was incarcerated. He wasn't able to do the things maybe that he would want to do, although we know he had at times he had some uh, house arrest, and so he was able to do things from there, and he had workers that worked with him. But even though he was in that situation, he encourages the Colossians uh, who were followers of Jesus to be thankful. We must not only be thankful, though, we want to stay thankful, remain thankful. Life can be challenging at times, yet we must not forget that even in those times that God is with us. Paul knew that. Paul knew it even in chains, and he, I believe, was a thankful man as well. He faced some real challenges. He went through all kinds of things. And you can look through the Scripture and hear the times he talks about going through shipwrecks, going through this, going through that. And he went through a lot of stuff for the sake of the gospel and the kingdom of God. Yet, he was grateful to God for what God had done for him. Even the writer of Hebrews writes a very powerful word to another group of Christians uh, who were who were facing challenging times. In fact, they had, been, they had started turning away from the faith because of all these things that were happening to them. And, and in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29, it says this, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. This, this verse alone should help us to be thankful. Since we're, we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, I'm concerned that too many times we focus as followers of Jesus on the life that we live here. And the life that we live here on this earth really isn't all that long. We're thankful for it. We want to enjoy the best of it, but we also realize that God gives us so much time on this earth, and then at some point, we're going to be able to step in into eternity, and with Christ in our heart, if we are trusting Him by faith, we can expect to meet our Lord and Savior and our Father. We can expect that, but while we're on this path, while we're we're on this trek and journey uh, uh, in life, we can realize that no matter what comes our way, whether it's a, uh, economic or whether it's, a, a, whether it's a, an earthquake or a tornado or harm in our home or pain in our lives, we know that this kingdom will never be shaken. Jesus will always reign. I always think of the passage, He will never leave us nor forsake us. And I told the early churches, or the early services too, uh, I'm not as old as talking to the early church. No, (laughs) that'd be old. Uh, So, but but, you know, uh, we use that uh, such a trite saying sometimes, it seems like it, but there's such truth to it that God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He was always with us. And we can always look to Him. He is faithful to be with us and near us. 
Don't forget that. If the band, if the worship team will come this morning and prepare yourselves. The kingdom of our Lord will never be destroyed. No one. No one can take God off of His throne. No one can remove Him. No tragedy can get in our way. The kingdom of God will always be there. As we wrap up this morning, and as we think about thankfulness and having grateful hearts, I want to share this quote uh, with you from Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer was a pastor and a theologian in Germany, and he opposed Hitler in World War II, and he paid with his life for it. He said this, In ordinary life, we hardly realize that we receive a great deal more than we give, and that it is only with gratitude that life becomes rich. So friends, this morning, let's overflow with thankfulness. At this Thanksgiving season, let's let this be a start for us. Let this renew a a sense of thankfulness in our hearts and our minds. Let's continue to remember that Christ is our source of peace. Then we may stay thankful, remain thankful. Would you stand with me this morning?